Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 11.1. This is our trip report for Everglades National Park. Before we get to the conversation, we wanted to talk about how you can help the national parks during and following the government shutdown. Many people are affected by the government shutdown. I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast has also read or heard about the effects on our national parks, including overflowing garbage, using the parks as a toilet, graffiti, and the travesty of cutting down a Joshua tree. The national parks need our help. Even though access to the parks may be free at the moment during the shutdown, continue to buy your annual pass, donate to friends groups, other nonprofit partners. If you're visiting a park during the shutdown, donate the entry fee that's not currently being collected to one of these groups. Once the government reopens, the National Park Service staff will assess the damage. Financial and volunteer resources will be needed to restore the parks to what they should be. The National Park Foundation has started a Parks Restoration Fund. You can donate on their website, nationalparks.org. You can also sign up for information about volunteer efforts there. Now on to our trip report about Everglades National Park. Thanks for listening. Today we are reporting on Everglades National Park in Southern Florida. This is a special recording because we are recording from Florida. Hello, Brian. Hi, Danielle. End of a long, uh, a long day. Uh, relaxing in our Airbnb after two nights of camping at Everglades National Park. But I think before we give our usual review, we should talk about the special circumstances of what's going on. So uh, we are in the middle still of the government shutdown. We had had this trip planned for a few months, and we had really debated whether or not to take it, given all the stories we've heard about um, the strain the parks are under around the country. And at one point last week, our plan B, which was to visit Florida state parks and forego this trip, was had become plan A. But uh, we did call around. We saw that the park was open and that the concessionaires and volunteers were keeping it up and running. And from what we checked, some of it from our, our social network and, and folks like yourselves, we had heard that the park was in decent shape. So we made the call of uh, going and visiting it. We didn't think we were adding undue strain to the park. Turns out that was the case. Uh, we were able to stay there, campsite, we'll review all that. But uh, we were able to navigate the park, see the park, and we felt that there wasn't undue strain. We did miss the rangers. We missed the ranger programs. Uh, we missed their presence. And it was certainly felt, I don't know how much longer Danielle Everglades can bear up without the park ranger infrastructure there. Uh, a few weeks in, uh, they're doing okay now, but I think uh, if this was a few weeks from now, it would be a different story altogether. Uh, what did you think? And today is day 23 of the government shutdown. Um, I was really impressed by all the people we met. We were When we pulled in, we did not expect to see the visitor center opened, we parked the car and I said, I think I see people coming in and out of the building. Let's go check it out. And sure enough, there were volunteers inside providing guidance and, you know, giving people recommendations. We were able to get the junior ranger booklets for the kids. They gave us a park map and gave us recommendations on what we should do. There was no park film because park rangers are in charge of uh, putting that on, and so that was not available. But the little exhibits inside the visitor center were available to see. And um, and there was... Uh, and you could walk around the grounds of the visitor center. So that was nice. That was lucky. And then the concessionaire, all the staff there could not have been more warm and welcoming and helpful as well, and they did the best they could to provide the guidance. And if they didn't know, they would try to find another staff member with a concessionaire who was more knowledgeable on 
certain aspects to answer our questions. Yeah, I think all in all, our timing was okay for this and the park we chose was the right park. If this were the same time, but another park, like all the awful things we're hearing about Joshua Tree, um, it would be another story. Or if it's the same park, Everglades, and as I said, a couple weeks down the line, I think, uh, I think the strain would begin to show. Uh, because as great as it was for the concessionaires, they're stepping up as nice as it is for volunteers. I think some retired rangers were helping clean up some of the campsites. It's very nice to see, but it's a, uh, it's a substitute. And it's not the real thing. So it's uh, we, we certainly are hoping fervently that this uh, shutdown, ridiculous shutdown ends and our park professionals, park rangers can get back to work. And those that are working, we did see law enforcement there. Um, and it's great to see them on patrol, but knowing that they were furloughed and working without a paycheck. So uh, again, I think our timing worked out pretty well um, for it. And we were able to have a pretty good experience, which we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So with that... All that preamble out of the way, um, Danielle, do you want to talk about the uh, the trip in, the road in, and uh, maybe even uh, before we even get there, on our way there, before we get to the park, uh, there's a special spot where you can stop for some unique treats. Do you want to talk about that? And then we can get right into the park. Yes. So anyone going to Everglades and entering through the entrance that passes you through the town of Homestead, you will pass a fruit stand that is called Robert is Here. I got recommendations to stop at this place from anyone I asked about uh, going to Everglades. And this is a must. You can get fruit shakes. This is what they're known for. They're fruit shakes. They're fresh fruit shakes made with all sorts of fruits, fruits you've heard of, fruits you've never heard of, tropical fruits, and walking around to this market and looking at all the different fruits they have available. We had a field day doing a sampling, buying a sampling to take to our campsite and try, and uh, we ended up going there several times. Whenever we were passing through Homestead, we would stop and get a fruit shake or a smoothie there. So that was a lot of fun. So fortified by fruit shakes with some freaky uh, fruits that I had never heard of before. Um, we headed into uh, the park. And, and by the way, I, I mean that. There were some really exotic fruits there and that I had never heard of before. Yeah, the day our first, uh, our first stop there, I got a fruit shake made with a fruit called Mamey. And I highly recommend that. That was my favorite. Yeah. Um, you got the same one every time, which was made with a fruit called Black Sabote. Yeah, I can't remember. I never and can remember. And yours yeah. was a mixture. It was on their specials menu. Cherry and I don't know what else, but Black Sabote was the fruit that you got. And uh, on our last day out, I got Guanabana which was also very good. <laughs> Never heard of them, but it was pretty good. So we uh, we head into the visitor center, the Ernest Coe Visitor Center. So that entrance, like many national parks, there is a main thoroughfare, a main drag. Uh, Everglades is no different. This one, I think it's just called Main Park Road. Uh, it doesn't have any uh, name, but it, it's about 34 miles from the Ernest Coe Visitor Center, and it winds through the middle of the park, down to Florida Bay and the Flamingo Campground, which was our campground. Um, so there are two current campgrounds, uh, front country campgrounds uh, that you can stay at. Uh, we chose Flamingo mostly because it's on the water, so it's on Florida Bay. And uh, so we were able to uh, traverse that on our way in. There are turnouts everywhere. Uh, there's several turnouts where you can visit uh, different overlooks, some hiking trails. But we went straight to Flamingo Bay, set up our uh, tent. That was where we felt the shutdown a little bit because it was a bit of a jump ball for your campsite. Uh, the good news was that uh, there was plenty of campsites. So it wasn't as though uh, we were jostling or someone was in our spot. But uh, we got our spot, set up our tent, and basically that was the first night. Although we did have one of the worst camping fails I've had in my time where... Uh, I'm usually very animal aware. In this case, I set out our camp food, which is 
kind of the classic desiccated, freeze-dried, vacuum-sealed pouches that we were going to have for dinner that night and breakfast the next morning. I had set out on the um, picnic table. We went to the camp store to pick up some other supplies, came back, and the turkey vultures and crows had opened it. And black vultures. And vultures, and were uh, pecking away at all of the food pouches. So shame on me. I did not think that they would smell through this heavy-duty foil pack, which is built to hold boiling water. But they did, and tore it open and ate all our camp food. So, <laughs> so we had no food. <laughs> so we, we had no food. So back to the camp store. And I felt this. Total dad camp fail. Kids got mac and cheese. I had PB&J on crackers punishing myself for my uh, <laughs> failure to feed my family. But, uh, yeah, that was a camp fail for night one. After a smooth travel day from the northeast down to Florida, loading up everything, and uh, camp fail at the end of the day. So Lesson uh, learned. Yeah, not a yeah, lesson learned, not a great story. I felt better because a good friend of mine who's been on this podcast before, I texted him, and he said it happens to the best of us. He had just uh, had a skunk involved in his camp food on his campsite he threw a rock at the skunk and of course the skunk sprayed and so his camping equipment still smells like skunk so it could have been worse danielle that's a lot worse <laughs> that is a lot worse so uh in any event we camped out slept under the stars which was or we saw the stars through our screen uh again not a lot of light pollution so i, I hearing the florida bay waves lap up against the shore it was actually after we ate and went down it was lovely and uh, next day, we... Uh, oh, except for the loud music from a yeah, <laughs> another group. Yeah, and I, this one I can't necessarily blame on the shutdown because, and actually we've reported on this podcast, you know, sometimes front country campsites, this happened to us in Zion, uh, on a weekend night, you know, it's a party for some people. So several campsites over, um, some campers, for, and I don't know why they would do this, were playing EDM music, uh, which is... To me, anathema to outdoors and camping to play club uh, dance music. So I was wiped out enough because I'd been up early that uh, it didn't bother me. Selfishly speaking, I fell asleep. Uh, did it keep you up? It kept me up yeah. until uh, whatever time late at night. And I was so excited to go to sleep super early. <laughs> I just heard that music. And then finally someone yelled at them. From another tent, you know, be quiet. We're trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and that did it. And that did it. But again, that one, that's happened at other front country campsites with a functioning government. So I, I don't know if I can blame that. I don't know no. if uh, someone would have come by anyway. So that was our night up in the morning. And, and Daniel, do you want to talk about the uh, where we started the next day? So the next day... Um, this was a, a little bit of a special circumstance in terms of how we planned out our day. Since we told you it, it was about a 45-minute drive from the entrance, co-visitor center, to the campground. But we went back that way because we were meeting the grandparents for the day. And so we went back to the co-visitor center, met up with them, and we did the Anhinga Trail. This is a must. It is the most popular trail in the park, but for good reason, because you will see so much wildlife. It's a very easy walk, but the wildlife is so accessible and just really amazing to see. Lots and lots of alligators. Alligators everywhere. I don't know how many we counted. And you do have to be smart because there are many alligators on the trail or very close to the trail and you need to give them a wide berth. They tell you that you must be stay 15 feet away from them. They will not bother you, but if you bother them, so be smart. We saw amazing birds and it was really beautiful. I just loved it. And everyone we would ask for recommendations, oh, what we, should we do? The first thing would, they would say is, did you do the Anhinga Trail yet? Yeah, this sounds like this is the, the highlight trail of the, uh, of the park. It reminded me a bit with the gators kind of splaying out around the trails. It was very much like the bison at Yellowstone, mm -hmm. where it was the same uh, 
advice to give them a wide berth and those bison, just like those alligators, clearly didn't care. If it was a warm spot, they were going to lay out. So it was kind of great to see, but we did give them a, a wide berth. Now, it was great bird watching as well. And I think more than the gators, it's for the birds. So what were some of the birds that you saw? Yeah, I think so too. I loved it. So for uh, named for the trail, there is a bird that is called Anhinga. And these birds dive deep down to get fish, get their, get their food to eat. And then they come out and splay their wings to dry them off. So you see these birds and they look very funny just sitting there on a branch with their wings straight out, drying them in the sun. And they're pretty large birds with a big tail. We'll put a picture of these birds on our Instagram. Another bird, my absolute highlight, was the purple gallinule. These birds are so colorful, a yellow and orange beak. Their plumes are purple and green and blue and a little splash of yellow. Really gorgeous birds, and we were lucky enough to get to see one of them. We saw there are lots of herons, great blue heron, tri-colored heron, green heron, a little blue heron. Uh, we saw a lot of those uh, white ibis, egrets, of course, a snowy egret, great egret. I think that's that's all that I recall at the moment for that particular trail. But this is an ADA trail. It's very easy. It's something that anyone could do. Um, it was about three quarters of a mile. Some boardwalks that went out into the brush, but we got to see different type of uh, different diversity of the Everglades. So we got to see sawgrass. Uh, there was a little bit of an island forest that we saw in the middle of the sawgrass. And of course, it's very wet, so we were on boardwalks. And again, it was a great cross-section, not just for the animals that we were able to see or the birds that we were able to see, but also for the biodiversity of the Everglades, which really speaks to the Everglades of something that is uh, both lush and diverse, changing and wet. Uh, and then finally, also very tenuous and very endangered. But that's something that we're going to talk about uh, later on. But that's looming over the entire trip that... Everglades is something that's under a lot, itself is under a lot of strain and um, in some regards is on life support, uh, artificially life support, but it's much diminished. So that's something that was kind of a bummer hanging over the trip as, as much as this trip's uh, been so far. Uh, but I also, part of the lesson is it teaches you a little bit about the preservation and how the Everglades is under tons of strain. And I thought that trail really introduced a nice cross section of what the Everglades is all about. Yeah. They also had the hammocks was another ecosystem with just a few feet or I'm sorry, a few inches difference in the land. And so it's a little bit in elevation, in elevation, a little bit uh, drier, I suppose. And so you saw much different uh, trees and things growing. Yeah, it was amazing. Just a, just a few inches made a Such huge a big difference. difference. Uh, and then we saw, uh, we saw you almost missed this because you went ahead of us and we spotted baby alligators. They must have been maybe five months old and they were probably, I would say somewhere between four or five months old. They were about the size of probably a little bit bigger than my hand. And uh, that was pretty neat to see. I, we saw three of them. They're very cute. They're very <laughs> cute. Uh, and my youngest stressed that perhaps she would like a pet alligator. So we had to kind of explain <laughs> that you can't do that. But uh, that she thought they were that cute. Speaking of which, our oldest, uh, both our kids have, we're lucky, they have outstanding eyesight. Uh, oh, my good. oldest was yeah. able to pick up at a distance um, a bald eagle. So a bald eagle was hanging out among a bunch of vultures, and uh, it was way up there, and she was able to spot that pretty quickly. So yeah, and on top of that, we saw a bald eagle as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's lots of fish too. There, and the water was so clear that surprised me too. But we could see fish. We saw lots of turtles. We saw some turtles. Yeah, also turtles that are endemic to the Everglades as well. Right. So yeah, that was a nice cross section, easy hike to do. 
But then we wanted to, because we had limited time in the park, we wanted to see a different area. So do you want to talk about where we drove to next? So after that, we <laughs> went back to Robert is here for another set of shakes. Shake number two. Shake number two. This was a new day. And then we continued on. The drive was hour and 15 minutes at the most to Shark Valley. And at Shark Valley, it's a 15 mile loop that you can either hike, bike, or there's a tram that's run by the concessionaire. And what people had recommended to me was biking, but you know, it depends on your group. So we decided to split up and Brian did a bike ride and the rest of us went on the tram just because our kids are not ready for a 15 mile bike ride, nor were the grandparents, (laughs) but the tram ride They all really enjoyed it. It was very informative. The guide was great, very knowledgeable and funny. And what we saw on there, it it does a loop and you go opposite. The bikers do the loop in the opposite direction. You go through these dry flats that just have little spots of water. And so there's a lot of, a lot of birds and we saw so many roseate spoonbill. And in case you've never seen these birds before, they have a beak that's in the shape of a spoon. And they are bright pink, like flamingos, uh, due to their diet. And uh, they're just very interesting and funny to see. But we saw uh, wood storks and all the birds that I mentioned before. We saw many of those. And... Lots of other birds, too. So it's definitely fun for bird watchers, for sure. And alligators all along the way. So many, so many alligators. Uh, I don't know if we should have been counting. One of our kids may have been counting, but we probably saw a 100 or so. The halfway point goes to this overlook that you can climb up. And in case you've been to Klingman's Dome in the Smoky Mountains, that overlook that they have there, this is the sister overlook. Same same time period, and it looks very similar. And it just looks over the Everglades. From there, we saw more alligators, and we saw a turtle. Uh, I was surprised we didn't see some birds, but I'm sure it, you know, it depends on the moment that you're there. And then after that, you continue and do the second half, which goes along a canal and, you know, see more birds and see more alligators. And it's just very fun and very informative. Now, I believe that was first built that canal for gas exploration, mobile gas company, which eventually became ExxonMobil. And that is where uh, that area was first developed and why there is this very straight road and canal there. So that's what our guide told us. Right. I think just to give you some geography, that's towards the top of Everglades National Park. And Shark Valley is situated in the slough, spelled S-O-S-L-O-U-G-H. We'll get, we'll have a guest on to give us more of the technical, uh, definition of this and how and how the water makes up the Everglades. But basically, this is water flow coming from the north down into the Everglades, filtering through the forest and creating sawgrass, mangroves, that sort of thing. This is the top of that. And this is what's being artificially augmented. Uh, so we were driving along the highway. On the north end of the highway was basically a dam uh, of some sort, which is letting in water into the Everglades to keep the Everglades going. So Shark Valley is at the top of the park, whereas Flamingo is at the bottom of the land of the park. Florida Bay also is part of the Everglades National Forest, which is obviously a big bay with islands in it. So to see this on the top of the park and how the water starting there can cascade down, it's a lot of the things that Daniel was uh, describing. But of course, wherever it is, depending on the elevation, a lot of this is a haven for animals and especially for birding. So I think that's where kind of the Shark Valley was really, uh, really exciting for us. In terms of riding a bike, I rented a bike and uh, I wanted to get a little bit of exercise and burn some calories. 
Uh, I enjoyed that because I was able to ride the bike, get the heart rate going, but also uh, if I wanted to stop and hear some of the sounds of uh, the slough and the wind going whipping through the uh, sawgrass created a very low whistle, which was uh, a little eerie, kind of like a, a wooden train whistle. Uh, but it was pretty eerie, like it was an animal, but it was just the wind coming, uh, uh, whipping through the grass. So having that solitary experience, even though there's a lot of people on this trail, again, it's a flat trail, it's easy to bike, and obviously there's a tram. Also, it kind of allowed you to get away from it all, let your imagination run with you. So I, I enjoyed being on the bike for that one. And did you see interpretive signs along the way? I didn't notice that being on the tram. Were there, there, inter- there were. Okay. And they're closer to the visitor center. There's a few uh, turnouts and there's a few small hikes as well, which we didn't do. Mm-hmm. And then another thing to keep in mind is that it depends on the time of year when you're there in terms of what you will see. So we are in the dry season and there's two seasons, the dry season and the wet season. So it will look much different in the wet season. Another thing to that's cool to look for are alligator holes. They're these, you know, islands of trees and you can look for the path that the alligator takes and then there and you'll see a hole and they're they're in there and there's always water in the in these alligator holes. That was kind of neat. One more thing I want to mention is there's a lot of invasive species in the area and a long time ago someone introduced the Burmese python. This is I think the biggest python and the guide showed us pictures that the reason why you don't see a lot of mammals there are mammals but just not many is because these Burmese python are eating them and they can eat a whole deer or a whole otter and showed us pictures a whole alligator it was it was pretty crazy and they're working on trying to eliminate them but but it is a big problem of invasive species so with that we left Shark Valley headed back to our campsite at Flamingo after stopping for uh, dinner at a roadside place, which was pretty good. Pretty wiped out. One last thing for the night. We uh, raced, didn't race back. We were very safe in driving, but we had timed it so we could get back to the camp store five minutes before it could close so we can buy uh, ingredients for s'mores and uh, they didn't have marshmallows or graham crackers, so we didn't get to do something. Or a chocolate bar. But we had time that, oh, a chocolate bar. So we timed that all out, and it didn't work out. Um, so we, we still had a campfire, but um, no s'mores. But, so recommended to, if there's specific sp- supplies that you need and can't be without, you should buy them before you go into the park. But we, uh, again, another night, a quieter night under the stars. Uh, again, beautiful weather. Great visibility. We picked out some of the planets and we've picked out constellations. And it was a great sleep. Woke up, which is actually today. We woke up and uh, what did we do? What was kind of the first thing that we did other than break camp? Well, the first thing I did today and yesterday morning was get up before sunrise and watch the sunrise, which I definitely recommend. It was beautiful. So I'm glad I did that. And then we headed over to the marina, the Flamingo Marina, and rented kayaks. And we did just an hour, but you can definitely do more. And there's lots of different places where you can canoe or kayak. There's a couple of locations where it's all ready for you, or you can make arrangements to rent and they'll transport it to a location for you. So a few different options. One of the most popular to paddle is Nine Mile Trail. but it's And it's well marked, but it's four hours. And we knew that our kids would not be up for that. So instead, we just had the kayaks right there uh, at the marina and just headed up the canal, uh, the Buttwood Canal, and just headed up. We went up, you know, 30 minutes one way and then headed back. And we saw some cool birds and... This area has crocodiles rather than alligators. So crocodiles are in brackish water, 
because crocodiles have special glands that can filter out the salt water, whereas alligators are in fresh water. And so that's what you come to this area to see is the crocodiles. And at the very end, I think you were already out of the water, but uh, just as we were, we were in separate boats, uh, as I was approaching the dock again, I spotted a crocodile. So that was pretty exciting. And we saw some birds along the way too, some cool birds. Lots of ospreys and osprey nests. I, I just think it's pretty special to see a crocodile in North America. So right. that's, this is, as far as we know, this is the only place you can see a crocodile. And they're right there on this canal. We're right by Flamingo Campsite. So uh, which was called the Buttonwood. Um, and, uh, but to see crocodiles is pretty amazing. I actually was kind of fuzzy on this. Didn't realize there were crocodiles in North America. So it was Yeah, I was surprised by that too. So that was, that was uh, kind of nice. And we saw, uh, well, we'll get to this later. We then uh, took the uh, houseboat. Well, not really a houseboat, but it looks like a houseboat. Uh, kind of a flat bottom boat ride up the canal into uh, a couple of bays and lakes. Uh, what did you think of that boat ride? So we went up that canal to Coot Bay. So that was run by the concessionaire, Everglades Adventures. is the name of the concessionaire. And we had Captain Chuck and... Oh, I think it was Melissa. It was a lovely ride. It was super relaxing. It was nice to have some shade. We saw uh, quite a few crocodiles. Not like the alligators where it was like, oh, another alligator, another alligator. Here, it was kind of exciting. We probably saw five or so. I think we saw a toddler one, one that was like three years old. And then we saw some adult ones. We saw some cool birds too. Not like the day before. The abundance of wildlife was not nearly as many as what we saw at um, Shark Valley. But uh, still very nice to see the mangroves. There's three types of mangroves, and we saw two of them, uh, red mangroves and black mangroves. And the kids really enjoyed it. They liked telling jokes. <laughs> and uh, it was fun. It was nice. It was very relaxing. Uh, it was great to do the kayak in the morning right away. Uh, but it was also relaxing to take the boat tour and, again, get a little bit of knowledge and go a little bit further than we could on the on the kayak. But yeah, we saw uh, on the birding area, we got to see a cormorant, which was uh, pretty exciting as well uh, to see that. But it was also great to see some of the birds in there just hanging out by the... We see tons of those at home too, by the way. Yeah, it was just nice to see them down mm-hmm. here. Uh, so we did that. So that was uh, uh, that was the morning. Then, um, then lunch, after the boat ride, uh, we were standing at the marina and we saw a crocodile kind of swim across to where another crocodile was sunning itself. And uh, I don't want to call it a crocodile fight and oversell it, but the uh, crocodile that was just chilling out snapped at the other crocodile, and there was a big splash and a, and a big uh, brouhaha. Uh, with For these several two minutes. Not minutes, but I think seconds. These crocodiles were snapping at each other, which was pretty dramatic to see. And I think you got a pretty good picture of the splashing and all that was going around. But it was... Uh, it was a little bit of mutual of Omaha, Marlon Perkins action going on right in front of us. Again, no no crocodile was hurt. I think it was just snapping at each other and more posturing mm-hmm. than anything uh, physical happening. But it was pretty nice to see. And there were two kayakers in the water. One was right there as the as the um, sorry crocodile crocodile was crossing over the canal, <laughs> and then this fight. The little fight broke out, and I think that kayaker was a little freaked out and kind of backed away a safe distance. Yeah. And then another one, another kayaker was just coming up as well. So they were right there in the action, and I, I was, they're fine. They're not going to bother you, but still, I was happy that I was no longer <laughs> right there. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And we also, afterwards, we walked over that little bridge by the, by the dock where you, where you get your boats. And I also, we saw two more crocodiles right over there. And one of them did not even pay any attention to the other one. 
but the other one coming up was had its jaw opened and a volunteer was standing right near me with her camera and was telling me that that's how they cool themselves off by opening their jaw like that. And then back where another section by the docks, we got to see tons of manatees, probably maybe five or so, one baby. That was pretty exciting too. That was fun to see. So manatees. Yeah, the manatees, uh, I had never seen one. And uh, I thought I knew what they would look like, kind of just kind of like a, a seal. But uh, really different. And uh, and just right there, right off the uh, marina. So again, Everglades just teeming with uh, biodiversity and animals. So it was, uh, uh, it was amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Great. So now I have our youngest daughter with me to hear how she liked her experience at Everglades National Park. So thanks for joining me. Say hello. Hello. What was your favorite part of Everglades National Park? My favorite part was the tram. The tram in Shark Valley? Yeah. What did you like about it? Well, I liked the jokes that she told. It was funny, the jokes. Like the one, like... So these poles sticking out of the ground was from people who died by alligators. So now let's have a moment of silence. Um, silence from the people who died by alligators. Uh, that sounds scary. So but, but let nobody and she's joking. <laughs> that was funny. So there were these poles sticking out. There were maybe ten of them or so. No, no, no. It was like five. No, fifteen. Oh, okay, 15. And 15. I guess you count better than I do. And they were there for research purposes. But she said, let's have a moment of silence now for all the people who died from alligators, eat, eaten by alligators. And then she said, joking, that's for research. So you thought that was pretty funny? Yeah. <laughs> I have a joke for you. Yeah, you have a joke for me? Yeah. What's the flower between your nose and your chin? Between the nose and the chin. What's a flower between the nose and the chin? Tulips. Get it? <laughs> your top lip and your bottom lip. Tulips. That's so funny. That's a good joke. I like that. <laughs> so do you uh, remember other things from the tram that you particularly liked? Yeah. That we saw That we saw 33 crocodiles. We saw... No, alligators. I mean alligators. And saw, crocodiles. No, crocodiles were at Flamingo, down at the bottom by Flamingo. That's where, where we went on the boat ride. But up at Shark Valley, those were alligators. Oh, yeah. What? So you counted? You counted 33 alligators? Yeah. Wow. I thought it was even way more than that. But um, I was not counting. That was like 100. I Yeah, I did, <laughs> but I, I was not counting. Well, is there is there anything that you learned? Do you, What was the most interesting thing that you learned? Um, I learned how don't feed, because the story of don't feed. Um, so there was this guy who went on this boat and with six other people, bring bucket fish. And he put it down, and then right at top speed, a crocodile came in and ate the fish and ate the hand. An alligator ate his hand. But they could recover his arm, but they couldn't put the hand back on. Right. Never put the hand back on. Yeah. So you want it to be safety, and we don't want another hand fall off so no feeding right it is against the law he was he was taken to the hospital and also arrested at the same time and fined so that is highly illegal and very very dangerous so and that is a true story uh, well, thank you for sharing. I think uh, Miss Carmen, our guide on the tram ride, told us that story. Yeah, she told us. Well, thank you so much. 
Now we're going to hear from our oldest daughter. Say hello. Hello. So thanks for joining me. So what did you like best about your visit to Everglades National Park? Um, I liked going on the boat tour best. That was really fun. Uh, what I liked about it is like seeing the animals and crocodiles. We saw some um, young crocodiles. They were so cute. Uh, yeah. That was an hour and a half boat ride. Uh, were there any other highlights from the ride that you enjoyed? Uh, I like telling jokes. You like telling jokes? Yeah. <laughs> I think the captain got a kick out of that, too. Do you remember any of the jokes that you told? Yeah. All right. You want to tell one? Okay. Uh, what shoes does a crocodile wear? What? Crocs. <laughs> I'm sure everyone could guess that one. <laughs> yep. Is there another one? Yeah. Okay, go for it. What was the crocodilian's name? Okay, tell me what. Dylan. <laughs> and one of the staff members was named Dylan, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, well, is there anything else that you learned? Was there one thing that was the most interesting that you learned um, during our stay? Something interesting is that manatees, this might be a little gross, okay? Um, when they uh, fart, you see bubbles coming from them, <laughs> but they don't do it from their beehive. They do it from the air hole on their back, which I think is pretty interesting. Where did you learn that? I did not hear that. Uh, we learned that, well, uh, we were on the dock and we saw a baby manatee. There was a lady there and she told us that. I think you were in the car. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I was getting our stuff yeah. for the boat ride. Uh, wow, that's that's a little interesting factoid. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Oh. Something, <laughs> was there something else? Yeah, there's something else. Uh, something else I learned is that there's no flamingos at Flamingo Campground. And did they tell you why? No. Oh, okay. But that was an observation. Yeah. It's <laughs> called Flamingo Campground, and there's no flamingos. Mm-hmm. But there are pink spoonbills, and they are pink the same way flamingos are pink. For the same reason. And what reason yep. is that? It's because they, well, the spoonbills eat river shrimp, uh, which dyes their feathers pink. Mm-hmm. Good. And we didn't see any spoonbills down there. We only saw spoonbills up at Shark Valley, actually. So... I don't know if there's spoonbills down at Flamingo or they're just harder to see. I, I don't know that. But we did see a lot of them up at Shark Valley. Now, last question. Do you remember the differences between crocodiles and alligators? Yep. Okay, can you share some? So, crocodiles have a V-shaped snout and alligators have more of a U-shaped snout. Uh, also, another difference is the alligator is a more dark green to brown and black, mm -hmm. while the crocodile, you can actually see the green, and... Uh, it's a lighter green or tan yeah. color. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing is, um, you could see all the crocodile's teeth if its, if its mouth is closed, while the alligator, you can't see all of it. Very good. And uh, there's, there's, another, there's a couple more differences, but one very important difference in terms of where you find them. Do you remember that difference? Yes. Okay. So alligators you never find in salt water because they can't survive in the salt water. Mm -hmm. So you would usually find them in fresh water. Right. Now the crocodiles, you usually find them in salt water or brackish water. Very good. Because they have a special gland that secretes the salt water. Exactly. Or the salt of the salt water. And uh, the last difference, do you remember what those bumps are called that are on top of nope. their bodies? They're called scoots. And scoots on the crocodile are pointed, but on the alligator they're round. 
So those are all the differences. South Florida is the only place in the world where you can find crocodiles and alligators living side by side. Wow, that's really cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing, uh, making us laugh, and giving us an education. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Great. And so then we drove out. And on our drive out, we made a couple of stops. The kids were pretty tired, so we we kept it easy. We stopped at Perotis Pond, and that was just an overlook. You know, you just park your car and get out, and you're right there on the pond, and you can just look around. And there, that was a bird nesting area. And to me, it looked like it was wood storks. So there were, there was, it looked like this little island in the pond and in the trees. Wow, I don't know how many, there must have been at least 10 or so wood storks. It was really cool to see them just perched on these branches and they're, they're big birds. I think they're, they're the biggest birds in the park. And then we also saw a great heron as well. So that was a nice little stop, and that was pretty and interesting to see. And after that, the next stop was Poheoki Overlook. Now, at this point, everyone was too tired, so I just got out myself. But this is a also very easy walk. They could have done it. It took me <laughs> two minutes, I think, Uh or you could take a little bit longer to take your time and look around, but I was trying to hurry because everyone was tired. I saw a little blue heron. That was nice. And I also saw a tri-colored heron. Very pretty. And uh, you see the sawgrass, just lots and lots of sawgrass. And it's a pretty overlook. And everything, just all these different spots that we're telling you about, they all look different. And so it's very interesting to see the different areas. And after that, that was it. We left the park and did our one last stop at Robert is Here. For shake number three. But yes, that was, uh, and that was a, great way to, a great way to end Everglades. So all in all, uh, I was excited to, uh, to visit. I'm also excited to come back. I think, uh, and I'll ask you this as well. One thing I'd love to do, you know me, I'd love to get in the backcountry. But one thing we learned about are the some of the backcountry areas, rather than just a backcountry campsite, there are things called, what are they called? Not crickets, crickies? I want to say they're called chickies. Chickies. Um, do you want to describe what a chickie is? So they are a, it's set up to a, a, a platform that's in the water. So it's really for people who are doing an overnight canoe trip or I suppose kayak trip as well and these are set up in the water you have to get a backcountry permit the park wants to know who's there and and check in and then check back out when you return so that they know who's in who's out and nobody's in any trouble or anything like that uh but they look very neat I ran into a person who was checking back in today as we were uh, returning our gear and she had come in Friday and was leaving today, Sunday. And she said she had a great time. It was hard, but it was very cool. So uh, that's, you know, that is something to maybe strive for to do sometime in the future. Now, also, depending on the time of year, it can be very buggy. This was the dry season and the low buggy season. I found it to still be pretty buggy. I wasn't too bothered by it, but our kids were very bothered by it. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the bug situation wasn't as bad as it could have been, obviously. But it still, there were mosquitoes out at night, um, and we had to run in and out of the tent to make sure uh, we didn't let any in. And then we had to do a purge while we were in the tent before we went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just going back to it... Uh, Later on, I'd love to do a canoe or kayak trip from Chicky to Chicky over a few days. That's in the backcountry. That mm-hmm. seems really exciting. Now, is there anything else you would want to do? I would love to come back when our 
kids are a little bit older and can do that 15, 15 mile bike ride in Shark Valley because I really, I did enjoy the tram, but ideally I would love to do the bike ride and not the way you did it, you know, speeding just for exercise. I would like to take a leisurely bike ride and really look and stop and get to take out my camera, my binoculars and look at stuff along the way at my own pace and spend a few hours because there was just so much to see there. There were so many, so many birds, so many different plants and trees to look at. It was it was really cool, really fun, and so I'd like to come back and do that bike ride. And um, I think a lot of people recommended to me the Nine Mile Trail, so that I would like to do that too when our kids can manage being in a kayak for four hours. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... I don't want to wish it away. Um, I like the age they're at, but when they're a little bit older... Uh, we've talked about this before, like uh, Grand Canyon and going down into the Valley to Phantom Ranch. I'm looking forward to when they are able to uh, do some of the strenuous activities. But until then, this was a great trip, a great trip for kids. Um, and we have, uh, we have a little bit more of the trip starting tomorrow. Yeah, One thing that we didn't do, which we do in every park we visit, is we really didn't hike. You know, we went for that nature walk on the Anhinga Trail. But uh, besides that... Yeah, we didn't do that. We, uh, I think, some of the water conveyances we did. I count the kayak as kind of a hike. Okay, yeah. And it's kind of a... Sure. um, Obviously, there are hikes to go on, but it is a... uh, the Everglades and just kind of it being a little bit wet in nature mm-hmm. just lends itself to being on a kayak or a canoe. Sure. That makes sense. So I think that's it for now. So that is the Everglades. And uh, stay tuned for we will cover Biscayne National Park in our next podcast episode that will drop in uh, two weeks from now. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links for resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on Support Our Show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting. So please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.